And welcome back to Meeting of the Minds. Today I'm here with the great Ed Saavedra, professor at Montclair State, the Department Administrator of the Exercise Science and Physical Education Department, an unbelievable athlete. Ed, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome. So talk, talk about your experience in sports and how you've grown to the highest level of gymnastics. Yes. Um, well, my experience is uh, I, I was a high-level gymnast, so I training uh, about 20 years in order to becoming a, an elite gymnast. So I was training for the very young age. So I trained with a sophisticated training systems and, and for various coaches. Uh, had a, a Chinese coaches and uh, Russian coaches and so forth like that. So that's how my experience came. Besides that, I just went to study at the, in the previous Soviet Union uh, University of Physical Education and Exercise Science. So you went to school in the former Soviet Union? Yes, I did. And what country did you compete for? I competed for a native country, Ecuador. Excellent. And you competed in the Olympics? Or what? Yeah, 1980. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. And what was the difference? So what made you want to start studying in the Soviet Union? Well, it's, at first I didn't, I didn't know about anything about that. So, so when the Olympic committee they said, oh, "What this opportunity that the going to do your your university level education?" So Soviet Union offering to athletes. So they said, "Are you willing to go?" I said, "Yeah, go ahead, put, put me in." So I went. I went down to single, nothing else, you know. Excellent, right? And one of the things that I noticed when you and I first spoke. I got my master's degree in exercise science at Springfield College. And I remember when we spoke and you were telling me the theory and the way the Soviets train their athletes and the level of education that each coach needed to have, that was totally different than what I learned. And I was very interested in that. Talk about the difference in qualifications and education between maybe an American coach versus a Soviet coach. Well, Soviet Union developing a program that is very based about science, how you can train young athletes from the very young to the highest level. They, they could be a, a champion, a rec record holding and stuff like that. So they're based about science. So they studied the human body, they stood studying all the statistics of the previous uh, Olympic champions and world champions and so forth like that. So uh, what I noticed in the US, um, there is not many coaches are educated in this way. So they are coaches just the, oh, uh, because I was, a, I was uh, an athlete, like I said, I was a swimmer or I was a gymnast, I was a track and field. So, here we go, I have a part-time job, I can coach. Of course, there's always an exception of the rule with which some coach has 
they have vision, they can see outside of the box and they can go for it. They figure it out things and their own. It's not because they have the science behind it. Uh, some maybe do, I don't know. But I think it, the Soviet, they were based on science. They don't rely, oh, okay, uh, cut and paste. They didn't do that way. Because every individual, you know, we are different. Genetically, we are different. Right. And one of the things we spoke about was you said there was high importance on sports selection based on biomotor uh, qualities, things of that nature. Speak about that. Well, so the one thing they were really, really focused was in the, the selection of the athletes for the future careers. So what they did, so they, like I, what I mentioned before, uh, uh, statistics of the previous, the previous Olympic champions, how they were selected, how they were uh, uh, doing throughout the years of training, what were the highs and the lows? So, and they put it in, in, in records and then when they make a selection of for, let's say for gymnastics or swimmer or whatever. So this, okay, this, this child at this age is supposed to do this or that. So, and, and, and they're gonna follow the same pattern and make a modification upon the time. I mean, and, and you have to remember that, I mean, the, in, in child development, we're developing in various stages, you know, and, and different stages, but, but the most important is the environment. The environment is what had to do with the development of the athletes. Yeah. Right, and you said that each athlete, based on our, our height, our body frame, ectomorph, mesomorph, um, the, the, the size of both of our parents, how did that go into the sports selection? I remember you saying between ages five and six for girls and ages six and seven for boys. Did I get that right? Absolutely, yes. Uh, yeah, and in science sport, just start early, like, and science sport start early, and science sport start a little late, but that is uh, how they, the sports selection do. However, uh, the genetic have to do with, with your body performs later on. Let's say now, if you have two parents, they are obese. You got that gene, you're gonna be the same way. So, so when I, when selecting a, a little boy, okay, now he's skinny, but they when they interview the parents, the parents say, wait a second, you, you, your dad is a 300 pound and your mom is 200 pounds. So I say, wait a second. So when when you hit a puberty, your purity. So especially for women's, when they hear the puberty is when the hormone all change, all body change. So it's gonna change drastically the external way, you know? So, and that, that will affect the, uh, the performance. Yes, definitely the parent have to do with it. Right, and talk about the proportions, the, bo the body types, the ectomorph versus the endomorph. And also just like we spoke about Michael Phelps, you said he has a short torso, long legs, good for swimming. For a wrestler, it's the opposite. You want long torso, short legs. Talk about that a little. Well, like I said, um, when you have, 
when the coach or whoever does the sports selection, they, they have to make, remember what I, I mentioned here, the anthropometric measurements. Anthropometric measurement is that you measure the, the length of the arm, torso, legs, and how written down, see it according because how, how much uh, you will have in accordance with their statistics for that specific sport. So they have to do a base upon for the center of gravity too. So, so let's say for wrestling, if, if your torso is longer, you're less a little short, your center of gravity is more close to the, uh, uh, to the base of support, which are the feet on the ground. So you have more control of what you're gonna do. Of course, there's a subject of the rule always. I mean, there is not, nothing written in stone because it's always the exception of the rule. You know, but uh, I, I said uh, they have to do with the performer. Also, remember, they have to practice. The many years that you practice, what I was reading here, so let me see here because I have some tables. Oh, hold on. I have a table here. They say for wrestling, I don't have the table here. Uh, I lost the page. What book is that? This is a, a sports selection. Is that in English? No, 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 that, no, that, that's just translated in Spanish though, because that's when I went to Cuba and, and, and then stay there and then, and then they, I, I got it from there. So that, that was translated by the Sutkov Russian coach and translated into Spanish. And, uh, okay, for wrestling, for wrestling, there's supposed to be almost six years of training before you achieve some level of training. Now women's, women is not, a uh, now there's a women's also, but at that time before was not. Swimming does about five, 5.3 years. Five point, so that as you said with the wrestling and the swimming, five or six years you mean before you start wrestling or? What was that? No. It's four it's five point seven years to achieve a high level okay. of training with sophistication training, methodical training, and so forth, nutrition, all, all the kind of stuff they need to be planning cycle, microcycles, mesocycles, and so forth like that. So that's it. That's what you achieve. That's what you need to achieve the high level. So in Soviet Union, the, what they call the master's sport. Master's sport is when you, you compete at the highest level. So in order to become a high master's sport, you have to pass. It's similar like you're going to get a master's degree, put it that way. That's why they call master's, uh, master's sport. You have to pass a test and so very hard test to pass. When you pass that one, so and then you, you're allowed to compete at the uh, high level competitions in order to represent in that, in that particular time the Soviet Union. So you have to pass a test on the, the athlete has to pass the test on certain exercises? Correct. Okay. Not in competition, just a separate no. series of exercises. Different exercises, yeah. What, what would those exercises be? And I'm sure they're different for each sport. 
well, of course, they are, they're different for each sport. So, uh, uh, like, I, I can say something like, for example, uh, for gymnasts, because that's just my specialty, uh, the gyms have to do with the um, exercises on reins. It's about seven to 11 exercises on reins they have to do on their own. For example, horizontal cross, uh, horizontal cross like this, regular cross, handstands, all the 11 years, seven on 11 exercises. That's one event. So they have to do exercises also on the parallel bars, on the pommel bars. So, the, so, so specific exercises that you have to pass it. If you can pass that one, so you, you become a master sport. And they have that for each sport in the Soviet Union. Each wow. Yeah. Is that is that also in that sports selection book, or is that a different book? No, that's the, that's 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 different book. Are the is there one book that contains all of the tests, or is there a wrestling book, a gymnastics book? No. They have a well. This book here, what I have, is overall, but uh, is very um, more lectures like this and some statistic data put in here. Um, and uh, yeah, but there is not a specific exercises for each sport. So um, there are exercises for him, for example, uh, uh, this is for um, track and field. See this one here? This uh, a trainer specialization exercises for track and field. And who wrote that book? This rock book is wrote it by. Five minutes left. Five minutes left. Um, I'll tell you the, the author for this one, Trinidad. It was wrote by Vladimir Alavina. Alavina? Alavina, Alavina. And then how about that sports selection book? Is that is there a translation in English? I don't know. I could find it, but I don't know. Who wrote that book? It was written for Volkov. Volkov. Volkov? Volkov. Okay. All right. That's very interesting. And now how many anthropometric measurements are there total? Uh, there are few here. Now they, so now at age five or six for a boy, or for five or six for a girl, and age six or seven for a boy, they would measure them on these, all athletes on, the, on these measurements, correct? They do, yes, correct. And then you said they have the norms for Olympic champions for each sport. They do. Yes. Is that in any of these, is the norms for Olympic champions, is that in any of these books? Um, I don't have the norms for this book here. You know, um, this, this is a good book, you, you can get it out. This is English version. I have it. It's here. Oh, you, oh, you have it right here. Okay. 
That's Good. just for gym. That's just for gymnastics, though, correct? For gymnastics. That's right. Yeah, this for gymnastics. Yeah. I I have another one, but that is biomechanics. So I don't know. Biomechanics. Uh, this is my old books at school. So this is one of the biomechanics for development of the human body. It's called development of the human body. Yeah. This is by Sarkowski. 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 Okay. Sarkowski actually is a professor now at uh, University of um, Pennsylvania, Penn State. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then I wonder now, so if, if in America, let's say a high school coach wanted to start implementing this information, so they would need to have a way to do the anthropometric measurements. Is there, is there a certain apparatus that we could purchase that will help us, or you just need a, a measuring tape? Measuring tape is, is the fundamental one. Okay, so we need a measuring tape then, and then I guess we would need the norms. We would need to, oh, we, no, we would need two things. We would need the measuring, three things, the measuring tape, we would need what anthropometric measurements there are, how many there are, and then we would need the norms for Olympic champions for the sports. That's correct. So actually you also needed a, the, the, a caliper to measure the, let's say the bones right here, the elbows bones, the knee bones width. So you needed those for the calipers so, so in centimeters so, so you can write it down that. Are there good, do you know any good uh, measurements or any, or you could just buy them just anywhere on the internet, just type it in and then once you know what you're looking well, for. Yeah, you can go to buy those, um, well, the mechanics or those, those calipers are very exactly, I mean, they're, they're, those are good. Okay. Now, yeah, those, the caliper like, I don't have any, see, I do. Oh, hold on. I have it like this. I thought that's for body fat. But it's body fat. But I have measurement here for in uh, meters. Okay. So you can put it like this and measure it. Well, this is a small, this is a bigger one too. So you just can measure distance of the elbows. Wow. Well, okay, so I guess where do we where do we find the, 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 the neck? Yeah. Okay, so where do we find the anthropometric exercise, not exercises, but what exactly, where is that information? I don't know here in US, but I can find it. Uh, let me see, I have some old books here. So you have a book that has all the measurements uh, as well. Uh, as I have some of them, okay. all of them, because um, let me see here. Um, has some books here. Um, I have to look around because I don't have a measurement right now. Okay. I, I know that there is um, tables 
with all the the measurement what what are the minimum what is the for this specific sport for example uh, I would love a picture of that if you find it take a picture send it to me that'd be cool right uh, for example uh, so in order to when you measure from the tip of the hands like this a tip of the hands like that in this direction like this like across from here to there if the body is proportional so this this length from here to there is the same length of your from here to your feet that should be the same okay and then I, and then i would assume that if it's longer that would make you better for certain sports if it was shorter that would make you better for other sports for example, for example, I think Michael felt his arm is way longer. When I measure his arm like this and span like arm like this, when I measure like this, he probably his arm is going to be longer than his body height. Right. So, or the arms. Some people have short arms, and then when they put it, when they try to measure from vertical position, it's too short. So, so maybe he's gonna be good for wrestling because they have more strength, more more close to this, uh, uh, to the sense of gravity. Right, right. And you never really hear. I never heard any American coaches speak about this really at all. Almost never. Yeah. Um, and then I and then I think about. I remember you said that. You give me one second. What? Because I have some. Yes. Hold on a second. Yes. Ed's working in his office, so we're making sure he's able to take his call.
Uh, just click on mute. I don't hear you. I muted you. There okay. we go. Um, yes, I, I'm sorry because I had I had that hold for an hour. <laughs> no problem. That was my easy pass. I don't know why. It just that's okay. All yes. right. Okay. So, okay. So I remember you said I remember you saying that once you have the anthropometric measurements. Then once you put them through the Soviet system, then it's like clockwork. As you said, with wrestling, you said it might take 5.6 years or something like that. So you establish those bio, th those, those markers, and then you would put them through the system? You have to get, yes. I mean, but yes, yes and no. Yes, because remember, every human being for the environment, that, like I mentioned before, the environment have to do with each individual. Because people from the East Ash, for, uh, from the Eastern Bloc, are, they're human, but a different way how they develop things. And the way how the nutrients are, how the mentality is, and so all those factors inflicting also in the development. And, uh, and, and, uh, and besides the point in, in the genetic, yes. So, so you can having a round uh, understanding of all of the measurements and apply to whoever is going to be using the same measurements. So, so you can create your own one based upon that. Okay, okay. And now I think about, okay, so let's say five or six, a six, seven years old, you see that they have a certain body type. You don't necessarily have them do that sport right away, correct? I think I remember you saying it's good to start with many sports, things like gymnastics. Talk about that. How should a young athlete, very young, four or five years old, what should they start doing to generally prepare their body? Gymnastics, number one. That's definitely. They every sport before they go into the art specific sport, they they do in the in the elementary school or middle school in Russia, they do gymnastics because that prepares the body for the strength and the flexibility. The other one, the other sport they, they do also for developing agility is soccer. So those sports are more focused and developing all the, the development of the coordinations, agility, strength, flexibility, those two sports. That's what they consider the fundamental sport for before they go into the specific um, wow. sport, yes. Wow, so even, why would soccer be a better choice than let's say basketball? Uh, because soccer, what they did, number one, because it's popular in, in, in Europe, but soccer more popular. Number two, they consider that because they have more development, the eye, leg, coordination, the visions, the vision is more panoramic. So also they develop in the, the um, the panoramic vision, vision. So when you're looking forward here, you can, so you can start developing, you see your far away right here, 
in your left side or, or right side. So that help them out to the athletes that way too. For example, in, uh, in the sport, like I do demanding uh, in track and field, when you're running, you, you have to run and you, you have to see who is right next to you. So you don't have to turn your head because that means that that inflicting in your velocity and stuff like that. Right. And now I don't know how much in the Soviet Union they do baseball or, or football, like American football, but would you still recommend for a young kid soccer even above like a baseball or football or basketball? Well, I recommend it. Uh, I mean, if, if you do soccer, it's fine. If not, you can do just basketball or volleyball or other sport that they are, um, no, they are involved with the coordination. Okay. Because baseball, baseball too, but baseball has a, just the coordination, eye hands coordination with the bat. Right. Uh, you know, but I, I think more likely I incline to um, in sport with, when you're developing aerobic training. Because soccer and basketball, you're developing aerobic training. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Very interesting. And then, like you said, then the athlete's able to develop once you put them through the, the plan. And it's a standardized curriculum. In my understanding, there's a standardized curriculum, generally speaking, for each sport. Is that true? That's correct. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so each sport is specific. So that's like I think I mentioned it to you when I when the when the young athletes training in one system and go to universities, I mean a university sports. So the off season, what they do. Everyone, regardless of your wrestling, gymnast, swimmer, basketball, football, doesn't matter. They do the same thing, which it might be negative in some of the sports and positive for some sports. But that inflicting in the performance later on during this, this uh, competitive season. So that's why, like I, I'm saying, is uh, each sport they have to have a specific method of exercises, how they should be done, what they should be doing it, and when they should be doing it. Right. And I could tell you from what I've seen in sports in America, it's not like that at all. It's basically the coach teaches you how he learns, and there's no science to it, almost at all. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. And I think I know that. I know that because uh, <laughs> I've been through so so, so many things uh, when I was coaching too, and uh, and and people ask me, "How do you do this?" Uh, I say, <laughs> "I just told you that because I know how." Because try to explain explain it to them biomechanics did not understand it biomechanics because they don't study biomechanics, right? So what would be the best way for a coach to begin to educate themselves? Because this is a totally different paradigm, a completely different mindset with approaching training. Are there any books in English that you would recommend a coach who wanted to understand this more? Well, 
there are books, there's books, but now there is more open science and uh, internet. You can go YouTube and then looking for methods of training for certain things. Some people, they are good. Some people, uh, some people has, uh, let's say you, you can find a biomechanics for uh, why they size, for example, for euro. So, so to do a uh, Puchimata or do a Makikomi. So how offense? There is techniques. There is biomechanics. Everything is a mechanics. That's bottom line. Internet now is help a lot. It's, it's not like a 20 years ago with nobody knows everything here. But however, uh, there's some experienced people that sharing knowledge. All they just put just, I saw many of them, they are bogus. They are, hey, there's garbage there. So no, no, everything is right. Right, right. And now um, talk about, so what, what exercises for a young kid, you were telling me about, I think you said pull-ups when you're pulling, right? When your hands are in front of your butt, not way out here. No, no, like this, yeah. Right, otherwise it's bad for your shoulders. It, absolutely, yeah. Especially for young kids, yes. And then I, th I think I remember you saying rope climb, hang from the bar and bring your feet up to talk about some of those exercises. What are the best exercises for general fitness? Well, number one, rope climbing. That's is definitely for everybody should do it. That's why, that's why it's included even in the army. All the militaries do that because that is one of the best way to develop upper body strength. Okay. Number two, the chin-ups. The chin-ups here go to the above the bar like that for, for children. Yeah, go chin-up here. So now, they're more advanced, but uh, some people are going to go all the way up, but, but that's more advanced. So just for now, for children, it should be here. How many repetition? I would say about for the children five, six years old, I make it six, five to six, six reps. Rest, five to six, rest. Three sets is good for them. Okay. Now, for the, for the, the goal, with development, when we do this way here like this, with hands in front of you, so we're working on, and the forearm thirst muscle here, right. biceps, the, the deltoids, part of the trapeze, the rhomboids, so forth like that, and a little bit of the deltoids. I mean, the, um, yeah, the latissimus. Okay. Okay. What, what else for maybe legs or for, I will keep going upper body if you have more, but like legs, your core, all of that. Okay, for your core, you're, you can have, and the stall ladder, hang out facing out like this here. You just bring your legs up and down. Okay. I don't really have it here. Let me see that. I have that picture of some. And if, and if an athlete, if a kid can't get their legs all the way up, would you just bring them as high as you can? Yes. And should you really try to not swing or does it matter if you're swinging? Well, if you go in the stall ladder, 
There's no way you can swing. Right. You just let go, stop right there, and go have to bring it up here. Okay. So a stall ladder is very important for young kids to have. Stall ladder is, there should be every gymnasium should have that. Everyone. And even athletes of any sport. In any sport, that should have it like that. Because that's where you're developing a lot of things there. Like I mentioned before, you, you can do flexibility, you can do strength, you can do a lot of things there. Good leg lift is one of them. So you just go the upper range from, 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 the, from hanging and legs up here, or just start at 90 degrees angle and, and close it. Why, why 90 degrees angle? Because we work in isometric and, and isotonic at the same time. So when we do from, from the bottom, we work in isotonically only. So concentric, eccentric, concentric, eccentric, concentric, eccentric. So, but we, we, we're working for the angle, holding the position on 90 degrees angle like this. So we're working isometrically here, and then we got the concentric, and they go to the eccentric into the isometric. Okay, so you'll do some with the legs fully extended and all the way up, and then some where you start here and then bring them up. That's right. And how, how many repetitions should they be doing with that? As many as they could do, or? Well, first you have to get on, the first day you're gonna try this one here, you have to get them. Okay, do as many as you can. They say, I can do 10 pushing. Okay, that's fine. So when you start the world, the program, you, you start doing a, at least seven. Seven, you know that, that he could do it right seven, three sets, seven. And eventually you're gonna event every two weeks, you're gonna add one or two more uh, repetition. Okay, now three weeks, four weeks, make a test, again, test. Okay, now you did, in the first day you did 10. Now it's, it's almost four weeks now, I wanna see how many can you do? And you have the records there. Excellent. Uh, the second time I can do uh, 15. Wow, this is improvement. All right, so you're 15. You have four more weeks. Bring 15 or 10. And then increase it to 12 to 15 and then go again. Four more weeks, another test. As many as you can, maybe do 25. Okay. Now, when you go, when the student get used to, to this one, now you can increase the numbers. Sometimes people think it's brutal, but it's not because we have to force the, the human body to the limit sometimes. But the most important is the rest of the time between exercises. For example, young kids, they have, they have to do at least, after they pass all those tests like that, at least 50, five zero. Five zero. It's a lot. You believe it or not, yes. We'll, we'll think about young kids. Yeah. And you know, that's from for from longer repetition. When it's from from angle like this, so 90 degrees angle like this, 
So like this, right? Right here. And then you go like this, up and down. That number is less because there's more, there's more uh, contraction here. Right. So that, is, that should be about 20. And you work isometrically, isotonically. And then you can also work just metrically, just hold. Okay. okay, so that would be for that would be for quarter. What about for lower back, hamstrings, glutes? Okay, lower backs. You can use the same one, but you have facing inside. Facing in like this, holding like bar like this. Yeah. Okay, your chest gonna go against the bar and yeah, you raise your heels. Backwards? Backwards, that's right. Okay. Yeah, raising your heel backwards like this. About first asking how many can do. Each time you hold, you lift your legs like this. So your gluteus masses, your maximus and minor gluteus are working hard. I've never seen that exercise before. That's right. Yeah. So you go like this here. You hold it like you up and down. Holds for a second or two seconds? No, no. No, just go like this. Make a reps. Don't swing or you have to swing. You can't swing because the bar is going to stop you here. Okay. You're doing on this um, on the stall bar. Okay. Okay. No, no, on the single bar because you're gonna swing crazy like that. You do nothing. Stall bar. Okay. Uh, Fifteen times. I mean, ask the same thing. How many can you do? Okay. And then you start training it progressively. Okay. Also, when when you're there, you can go side to side. Right, raise your legs side to side, or just go side to side. So you you work in some on parallel obliques. Wow. Okay. Anything else for lower back that we that the kids should be doing, or or for their legs for their hamstrings. Okay. Now uh, another one for the uh, 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 for the hamstrings. Um, uh, the hamstring is uh, the, what we're working is in. Uh, we're using it sometimes you can using a, a a mobile device the glued ham strip the glued hams yeah the glued, the ham, glued, ham. glued ham calf machine yeah you can use that one for 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 little kids but uh there's other exercises that that are working um that that can work eccentrically way but for the children is too harsh. It's too harsh for the kids because that's just, I, 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 I should just um, focus more on the, uh, and develop the, the big muscles like a quad, quads, hamstring too, because hamstring is very important muscle, very important. If the hamstring is weak, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. If, if your quad is so strong, you're gonna hurt your, your hamstring. If your hamstring is so weak, they're gonna pull you back in the muscles. Right. So, yeah, uh, 
for the hamstring, I, I would suggest in doing it. Um, you believe it or not, you can do backwards squat jumps. Backwards, so you jump back, you squat down and jump backwards? Backwards and travel down. And, 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 do, and, and keep jumping backwards. Squat, squat down, jump up backwards, squat down, jump up. That's right, full squat. That's what you were telling me about, the importance of a full squat. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So that's that that's what um that's what we're doing for the hamstrings also. Uh, for the quads, we're doing the, the the full squat, full squat all the time, forward. Forward, forward, high first or high and long, the longest you can go. Okay. So that's good. That's better than just doing a squat. Instead of just standing up and squatting, stand, jump up and out, or stand, jump up and backwards. You, you stand, you jump, go down all the way and jump high as you can and long as you can. Because high okay. and long. So you're forcing your muscles to actually to the maximum uh, uh, output power. How young can a kid be to start doing that or at any age? As long as it can. And it has to be a good, you want a good clean squat, squat as deep as you can, not on your toes, sitting back on your heels, correct? Flat feet, yes, right, yeah. Okay, so when I teach the children, I make the children do like, say people say that, uh, uh, doing uh, like frog jumps. I said frog jumps. Okay, do frog jumps. Uh, but I say, I want the frog jump, jump higher and longer. I want to see the, the frog, which frog go farther. Should they rest in between jumps or should they keep going? Should they no. get it? You, you, you can give a length. Let's say that uh, you can give a, um, uh, 10, 10 meters maybe. I don't know how many, uh, 10 meters, 30 feet. Yeah. You rest there. But resting... You can do another activity, not not just hang out like this. No, right. but what about in between? What about in between each jump? So I squat down, I jump, just keep going. Yeah, just keep going. Okay, okay. Yeah, because usually for thirty feet, you're doing how, how many? Maybe six, seven. Right. This, this, this there's not too many. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you good? No, no, go ahead. I was going to say the last thing I wanted to speak about was I remember you telling me about the vests and it's important to train. We'll talk about the weight of the vest. Like in America, it's all weightlifting. It's bench press, pull downs, everything like that. But you're saying it's it, it might be better for for an athlete to train more with a vest. Talk about that. Why the vest is important? Because that, they call the overload. Uh, why the vest is important? Because um, you actually, you're training the activity that you're going to actually use it. But overloading, you make your muscles work beyond what the muscles actually do normally. So that increases your strength, increases your, your way of the technique and way how you're going to, to do better. Right. So I, I, I think I mentioned it to you, I mean, the best is the best way is now overloaded. 
too high. You, you have to use it between three, three to five percent of your body weight. And no more, and I remember you said no more than 10 ever. No. But three to five percent is the optimal. A lot of so right away I think, is that gonna am I gonna get stronger? That's not gonna be enough. I think I should be squatting more, I should be deadlifting more, but you're saying no, you want to train in that movement. Let's say now if you're a wrestler, right? Right. Now, like high, let's say high school, college. Okay. Okay. You, you pull the vest for for three or five percent. Okay. Now, okay. You go to training on on doing a match. You're training with your vest. You're training with your vest. Actually, you 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 training your you train your technique, your coordination, your your cardiovascular. And also you're training your, well, you do cardiovascular also, uh, uh, they have to do with the aerobic and anaerobic uh, performing at the same time. So when you take the base off at the completion time, you feel like somebody is, is like a lighter to you. Right. So that's the purpose of this. Now, of, hey. course, of course, you have a physical preparation Besides this, uh, let's say that, let me play this way. In every cycle of competition, you have an American called pre-season, right? We call it pre-competitive -pre season. Pre-competitive, competitive, and resting. And the pre-competitive is when we do all the exercises to make the whole body strong enough. In the competition season, we do a specific, a specific, a specific for the competition. So the vest, so the vest is better for competition. Sarah? Yes. Yeah, okay, no problem. No, yeah, we're all good now. You're welcome, thank you, bye. Okay, I'm sorry, yes, um, it, they're specific. You need this specific. Um, like I said, when, when you put the vest for training, this is a specific your training. Right. Should a kid work out with a vest? Should a young kid work out the vest or no, not yet? Not yet. Why not? The, because they are too young and they still developing the technique. Right, right. Developing the, the technique. When the technique is achieved good and embedding in the brain, and then we can, we can increase the, the load with the vest, yes. Right. And now would you say, you said the three to 5%. Now, if you were doing exercises, like let's say pull-ups, or you said you don't like dips. I remember you saying you don't like the or the dips or the push-ups as much, but, but for pull-ups and for different exercises, should you go heavier for that? And then when you do sports movements, go lighter, like 3%, or does that not matter? I don't get your question. One more time. Um, is there a certain, 
if you're if you're training for strength, should you go higher, like five percent? And if you're training technique, do you go lower, three percent? Yeah, I mean, for technique, you need less repetitions and and focuses and the way how the exercise should be done. Now, increases strength, we need to do exercises to to make the muscles to be able to hold that technique later on. Okay. Because with the strength, you can excel in the technique. Right. Okay. So you cannot do the technique without strength because they both are, they, they're coming along. Okay. Okay. And then finally, last question is you said that when you're teaching a skill, whether it be gymnastics or wrestling, don't keep doing it over and over, right? You nope. said, explain that point, and we'll end on that. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Just the thing is, uh, um, because too many repetitions, especially when you're just learning new things, make it too many repetitions. They need, they need to get in, into the brain. People say they have to get into the muscle. The muscle, have, the muscle does what the brain tells you what to do. It's a brain coordination with the muscle coordination. So if you do one or two repetitions, do one repetition, two repetitions, very good. Okay, stop. Do something else. So you have to, you have to, what do you call the, um, change the thinking. Okay. And then you come back to it. Yes. Now, why you come back again and do the same thing? Because every time you deviate in that thing, they clear the mind. And then when they come back, they have to thinking. And when you're thinking, that's when you're learning. After the five repetition, becoming mechanical. So you're just doing it. Right. So you would say if they did it once right or five times right, switch completely. Switch completely. After one or five, where it doesn't matter. The most the most accurate number is, is a five repetition. Yes. Okay. okay. And then how long should they, how long should they do a different skill and then come back? That had to be the coach decision because okay. you know what you'll be five and they come back and do the five mark good enough because they always have to finish the repetition with the good ones. Okay. Yeah, wow. because if you finish with a bad one, that's what the last thing is going to stick on your brain. And wow. when you're back, you're going to do the same thing as you did the last one. That's excellent. Ed, thank you so much. So much great information. My, my head is spinning. I want to watch the video again and take the notes. Any of those books that you have that you could recommend, that, write it down. I'll send you an email. But any of those books, I'm really interested in this. This was very helpful. No problem at all. Okay. Thank you very much, Ed. Take care. You're welcome. Take care, too. Okay. Bye. Bye. And that is a wrap from today's podcast. I'm Gene Zanetti from Winning Mindset. Make sure you guys go to our website. Make sure you go to zwinningmindset.com. Make sure you buy the book. The ebook is great, excellent information, represents some of the great information that we've learned from top athletes working with some of the top teams and individuals all across the country. Go to our website zwinningmindset.com. 
make sure you get the ebook. Also, make sure as an individual you sign up for the one-on-one free trial consultation. That's the one-on-one free trial consultation with one of our mindset coaches. The best results always come from one-on-one attention, whether it's strength training, whether it's technique, or whether it's mindset. One-on-one is always the best. Thanks for staying with us. Make sure you join us next time for the next episode. Mindset makes the difference. Have a great day.